Hi, everyone. This is Podcast for Patients with the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation. I'm Lee Clark, Director of Patient Services, and I'll be moderating the podcast today. Our podcast series is brought to you with special thanks to the generous support from our patients, families, and caregivers like you and our corporate sponsors. Thank you to everyone for supporting the series. Today, we're going to be talking about intermediate risk MDS with Dr. Swapna Thoda. She is an assistant professor at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, and she specializes in leukemia and bone marrow failure syndromes. Welcome, Dr. Thoda. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for the kind invitation. I'm so happy to be part of this educational podcast. It gives me great pleasure to reach out to the greater community of MDS and the caregivers and patients so we can continue to educate this group of patients to better understand their disease. Thank you so much. Great. So we'll start out. What is intermediate risk MDS? So I talk to my patients when they first have MDS diagnosis, I go over what is myelodysplastic syndromes and why is it called a syndrome? It's called a syndrome because every patient presents with a different kind of story. For some patients that live with low blood counts for a long time and have just been fatigued and was incidentally detected on a routine examination. And for some patients, uh, they are really sick, coming down with infections and presenting very acutely. So the stories and the natural history is very different. I kind of give them a language of, okay, to help them understand their disease. And I kind of bring them to this conversation of, okay, do you understand or do you have questions about stages of disease? Because that's a very common terminology used in a solid tumor world whether it's early stage or late stage. But in blood cancers, there is no typically staging, especially in myelodysplastic syndrome, as to stage one to stage four. But there is a similar terminology as risk categories based on the information the patients uh, of the patient's disease, based on their blood counts and uh, the information we get from bone marrow biopsy. So we use calculators to put patients into different categories. We call them risk categories and patients can fall anywhere from low to high and the middle category is called intermediate risk category. One of the most commonly used calculators is the revised international prognostic scoring system, IPSSR for in brief. And when the when we plug in all the information about the percentage of BLAS, the type of cytogenetics, a test we send out from bone marrow biopsy and aspirate, and the blood counts, when we plug all this information, and sometimes we include age as well, it spits out a risk score. When your score is between 3 and 4.5, you fall into this category called intermediate risk category. It sometimes is referred in newer um, calculators, especially the IPSSM calculator, describes the intermediate category as a moderately low and a moderately high category. So that's another terminology people could be hearing when they have intermediate risk MDS. Thank you. What are the treatment options available to patients who fall into the intermediate risk MDS group? So once I talk to patients about um, their risk category, 
they tend to typically ask, so what does that mean? What does an intermediate risk mean? Does that mean I'm going to respond better to treatments or not so much to treatments, okay? So then I take into the risk classification into somewhat of a prognostic classification, how we expect their disease to behave. And I talk a little bit, if they are interested in that particular information about their risk of transformation to leukemia and an average survival that is expected for somebody such a diagnosis. Once I'm done with that conversation, on an average for intermediate risk patients, this um, refers to a few years of natural history of living with this treat with this disease. Then it brings us to the conversation of treatment. Now, even beyond the risk category, there's a little more personalization for treatment. First of all, am, am I talking to a young patient with intermediate risk category? Any patient with MDS and having uh, had that diagnosis in their fifth decade, in their fourth decade is considered a young patient for such a diagnosis. So straight up, we are talking about curative intent therapy such as bone marrow transplant. So while I personalize therapy, I look at their blood counts too. Is this somebody who is actually asymptomatic from their disease? Um, or is this somebody who is really getting transfusion dependency? What is the blast percentage that we are dealing with? Is there a need to decrease this blast percentage? So even in this intermediate risk category, there are a certain people who behave more like low-grade MDS. And there are people who tend to behave more like high-grade MDS. And that kind of understanding is really critical. And that's where an, each individual physician has to like personalize therapy based on what is happening with the patient. If a patient is determined, especially with the new calculators of IPSSM, that they have a moderately low, so an intermediate risk patient that tends to behave more like a low-grade MDS patient, then we focus on quality of life things, cytopenias that we need to alleviate. So we can use agents such as erythropoietin factors, ESAs, the other terminology for it, promactive, their platelets are on the lower end. So we try to alleviate um, the transfusion burden, the impact of low blood counts. But if there is a higher blast percentage or a molecular pattern that we are really worried about progression and they're falling into a little bit on the higher side with IPSSR score, if you have a score greater than 3.5, you tend to behave on more on the higher risk end. Then we start talking about potentially treatments such as hypomethylating agents that prevent uh, transformation to leukemia and prolong survival of these patients. So it's an individualized decision. There are several treatment options, which is a good thing. So it's a conversation and a little bit of individualization of how the patient is presenting to us. Thank you. Are there particular challenges with treating intermediate risk MDS? Historically, yes, intermediate risk MDS. It's a good thing, like I said, there are a lot of treatment options, but intermediate risk has been um, kind of all the diagnoses that we didn't know are like really well behaving or really not so well behaving. So the low and high and everything else got categorized into this intermediate risk category. So now with the advent of IPSSM and all this molecular knowledge that we have gained over time, we can better classify these patients into uh, better understanding of their disease and prognosis. 
So one of the biggest challenges I face is that if I am treating a patient who is like 62-year-old intermediate risk, he's worried five years from when he's diagnosed with MDS, whether he'll still remain a transplant candidate or not. So the transplant decision was a big challenge as clinicians we all faced without more precise calculators. Now with the more advanced calculators, some of those patients compared to IPSS or IPSSR that are being upgraded into a higher category, there's 11% of those patients in the studies that were previously categorized as intermediate that could be reclassified as those that tend to behave more as high risk. So we are able to use these calculators as to better understand the disease biology and thereby take them to transplant. What has been a historical challenge for understanding the prognosis and what, who to put through transplant and curative therapies like that uh, has been a little bit more demystified with the new calculators we have. So I think we're making progresses with the challenges that we had before. What are the risks of intermediate MDS transitioning to secondary AML? This is a big piece of conversation that I focus on during conversation with the patients. In the beginning meetings, I educate them about MDS. Uh, a lot of people hear the term pre-leukemia and confuse that they are not really diagnosed with the cancer and they think that AML is a true malignancy. So once we get that initial phases of um, trying to understand that an MDS is a cancer, but could transform into a much more aggressive blood cancer called acute myeloid leukemia. Everybody has a risk of this, but based on which category you fall into, you have a higher chance of transforming into AML. About 25 or so a quarter of the patients that fall into this um, category of intermediate risk could technically within a few years of their diagnosis. So it's not 100%, uh, it's only a small percentage, um, 25%, I believe, within the intermediate risk. Within a few years of being diagnosed, so three to five years of their diagnosis have a chance of transforming into a more aggressive form of blood cancer called acute myeloid leukemia. Now, if we translate that into the more recent understanding of IPSSM, categories. And if we take um, moderately low type of intermediate risk patients, like I said, they tend to behave more like the low risk patients. So their risk is a little bit lower. Uh, so this subset of patients have about 5% transformation at one year into diagnosis. It's a linear uh, change as they grow into more years with their MDS diagnosis, the percentage goes up. So Somebody got diagnosed with MDS, lived with MDS, with this intermediate risk MDS for last five years. Their risk goes up, um, like I said, a year into diagnosis, they're 5%. Uh, five years into diagnosis, their risk category in this moderately low subset goes up to almost 10 to 12%. So as you go through low all the way to high, the percentage increases within each category. And I just shared the numbers with you for those patients that are intermediate risk uh, by IPSSR and moderately low by IPSSM and what percentage risk they have for transformation to AML. It's definitely one of those things patients worry about and the treatments aim at delaying such transformation, including hypermethylating agents or participating in clinical trials. When should a patient with who's in the intermediate risk category consider a transplant? 
So, um, like I said, several factors go into consideration because bone marrow transplant is a pretty intense procedure. So there's a patient selection. So you look at the age of patient and you look at why did the patient develop MDS? For example, there are a subset of patients that are born with genetic defects that express in their fourth and fifth decade. So if you're working with any patient that is in their fifth decade of transplant and has a score that falls into intermediate risk, that's a patient you do want to upfront talk about going through transplant. So young MDSs that fall into intermediate risk or the MDSs that have a genetic link that they have been born with should go through a bone marrow transplant as a curative intent. Those patients that we do not deem upfront have a high risk of transformation to AML. It's a serial approach. Initially, their treatment focuses on alleviation of cytopenias. Once these treatments stop working and patients become more transfusion dependent or we sense that the treatment that they're on is not doing them any good, for those kind of patients with cytopenias are an issue and there is no higher blast percentage, those are the patients that are becoming more and more transfusion dependent. We look into bone marrow transplant as an approach uh, once they ha have seen a few low-grade MDS treatments. If the blast percentage is increasing as you do surveillance or while on treatment for these patients, um, that's another subset of intermediate risk patients that when an upfront transplant is not considered as they go through the process of their MDS, and the disease tends to become a little more into high-grade category, that's another patient that we definitely consider for bone marrow transplant. But every patient that falls into this category that has no major comorbidities, at least an initial donor search has to be done. The timing of transplant is a big point of conversation in the care of these patients. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Thoda, for sharing your time and your expertise with all of us today and talking about intermediate risk MDS. If you'd like to find out more information about MDS or other bone marrow failure diseases, you can find that information on our website, aamds.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or if you have some questions, you can give us a call on our helpline at 800-747-2820. This concludes our podcast. Thanks, Dr. Thoda. Thank you.